fellas. Hello. Hi. How are ya? I'm Sarah from Back East. And I'm Sam from Back East. <laughs> and this is Four Movies, where we pick four movies and talk about them one a week for a month. Yes, and just right off the bat, we're <laughs> <laughs> we're doing uh, we're doing stir crazy today. Next week will be any which way but loose yes. with Clint Eastwood. And mm-hmm. I apologize. The episode was late last time. <laughs> uh, it's moving, but uh, yeah. That's okay. I'm not, I'm not mad about it. So, yeah. and it's only my opinion that matters. <laughs> <laughs> As we all know. But yeah, it's, it's stir crazy this week. And uh, yeah, it's our, so this is actually, I know that last week I was talking about how I may have messed up the order of things because right. I was trying to go from highest grossing to lowest, lowest grossing of the four highest grossing movies. I think any which way but loose is in the right spot. Like yeah, it yeah. is like the, 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 um, like the least grossing out of the four of them. But I think this is coming in, like basically the top three movies that year were Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, that would definitely be it. And then second place was Nine to Five, and mm-hmm. third place was Stir Crazy. Oh, really? Yeah, and for, a, and for a long time, and I think it's still, it might still be, um, but for a long time at least, this was like the uh, the first time that a film directed by an african-american um earned more than 100 million at the box office it like broke records for for columbia pictures opening records and um for a long time it was the highest grossing film directed by a black american wow some heavy history behind it that's great yeah so um so, so it was really cool and like you have two like trailblazing performers mm-hmm. um, in that respect with like like Sidney Poitier's behind the camera and then Richard Pryor's in front of it. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. that's it's monumental for various reasons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's interesting in that respect. So it clearly has its own little spot in history. And this kind of conversation, too, I think is interesting. So you have like like it's it's a prison satire, right? Mm-hmm. This is, it uh, is turning an eye on to onto this part of society. Yeah, and really, you don't, and it's, again, it's a comedy, right? And it's, that's what comedies are supposed to do, is they're supposed to shine a light in a little bit of a satirical way to illuminate problems. And this one does it really well, I find, in terms of almost prison brutality, like... Um, yeah, corruption. Corruption, everything like that. It And it's no... And sentencing. Yes, and like, sentencing. Like, too, like, like sentencing and, and the criminal justice system in general gets like played a little, played off mm-hmm. a little bit here. Because I think, I think, like they said in the movie, that different states have different sentencing laws. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely uh, very interesting that, well, they get a 125-year sentence, right? Mm-hmm. How can you, like, just call it a life sentence? There is, yeah, I, I mean, that, that's just, like, that's just what... I know it doesn't sound like it makes sense, but there's some people who are serving sentences for like 200 years for yeah. like, you know, it's just because they've done so many bad things that they, they add them all up and they're and like, Hey, well, we know you're not going to live that long, but just in case you do, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got to spend all 200 of those years in here. <laughs> some madcap like guy inventing the American justice system was like, Oh yeah, they're going to invent immortality in like 50 <laughs> years. So let's just put it in just in case. He's like, what if out of spite, they live <laughs> until 126 years. <laughs> That's how I want to go. Just out of pure spite. <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. So shall we, 
Dive right in? Let's dive right in. Okay. Let's go for it. So, uh, Skip, played by Gene Wilder, and Harry, played by Richard Pryor, are our main characters in this mm-hmm. movie. And it opens up with um, Harry, who's he's at a job. There's a dinner party. Everybody's really laughing. And it turns out that um, they put Harry's stash of pot into their food. And everybody's like... One guy's freaking out, one guy's paranoid, and everybody's laughing, like, <laughs> like the tip, and they, like, find it out, but he gets fired for that. Yes, yeah. And then... And he has the, yeah. sorry, but just, like, totally appropriate reaction to someone taking half your stash. <laughs> He's like, Jesus, you cooked half my stash? I was like, oh my god, yes, I would be so mad here, too. Like, like he sh- they should have at least paid for it or something, yeah. <laughs> you know? That's just precious. It is. And it was apparently the, uh, was it the the California 25 or whatever, like that was so potent. 65? 65 or 45, something like that. I think it was 65 because it's like, there's a revolution that happened in 65, but we didn't hear about it and slept through it because of this. (laughs) (laughs) So potent stuff. And then skip ends up getting fired from his job because he's harassing a client or like a customer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he, he was doing it on purpose to get fired because in the next scene, he goes up to Harry who's drinking in a bar and he's like, I'm fired. It's the greatest thing. I'm free. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I, I mean, I, I don't know if he does it on purpose to begin with, but he definitely like his character has that like, that character has this unrelenting optim like optimism and naivete and, and naivete yeah. and, and and it's interesting because again when you're thinking of yeah like their reactions to things they're just so different mm-hmm. and they're so extreme and like um, Harry has this like very healthy fear of the police mm-hmm. and then Gene, or Skip is just like oh my well they no one's ever really talked to them before we just have to be nice yes and it's just this yeah um like kind of white privilege essentially <laughs> this list you know airy fairy kind of floating amongst his day <laughs> and he, like there's that scene he doesn't even realize he's in prison until like <laughs> They've been like dressed up in a uniform. He's like, wait, we're in prison. When it is, so yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so he, uh, so he, so they both get fired on the same day. Mm-hmm. And um, then there's that other scene, like where they're like, oh, they just need to talk to him because a cab driver and the uh, guy who's supposed to pay the fare get in a fight. Alex. Yeah. <laughs> and he has, and it ends up where he's like, oh, they just need somebody to talk to. But as Gene Wilder's walking over. He has a pair of pliers and he grabs him by the genitals. Not not yeah. Gene Wilder, but the guy who's supposed to be yeah, the fair. Chico, the cab driver, yeah. grabs Alex, who is like the other guy. Mm-hmm. Um, as we we find out, and that actor does it so well because he's pretending to have his his testicles in mm-hmm. a vice grip with these pliers, and he just oh. does the whole like, oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then. And then Skip is just reading the situation as in, mm-hmm. see, that's all it took was someone to talk a little sense into them. <laughs> it's like if he just would have looked down, he would have saw yeah. it. But he's like a naivete, like, oh, I'm just, you know, talking to you straight and has no idea that Chico has him by the balls. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then there's that, like all, all the women that Skip keeps meeting in the bar as well. And, and you find out that he's like this kind of low-key, like ladies man a little mm-hmm. bit. <laughs> and he's like... 
it's that naivete that comes across like it's like the most beautiful woman he's ever met in his entire life every woman yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely so yeah that's uh the unrelentless unrelenting optimism mm-hmm. is how i kept thinking of it and i was like i wish that mm-hmm. i was still like that <laughs> childlike almost. yes yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and then they and then he kind of sells um harry over on this idea to leave new york and go to hollywood mm-hmm. and harry's like but i'm an actor i'm supposed to stay here um and then he's like you're not making any money as an actor in new york city he's like, like you made five dollars last year as an actor wasn't the, it 35 35 yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> And, uh, and so he convinces him with this like big fantasy of, you know, the kind of women they'll meet in Hollywood and driving around the Sun Belt mm-hmm. to get there and everything. And yeah. And they're like, we can pick up jobs along the way and uh, mm-hmm. it, find ourselves. Yes. Yeah. And so then it goes over, you see them in their van and they're uh, driving what looks to be like California or so Nevada. So when, when he says that they're going across the Sun Belt, so that mm-hmm. means that they're going down the East Coast. Okay. And then, like, basically the Sun Belt is all the lower states. Okay. So they're just, like, down the East and then going across around, like, Florida, Georgia. Okay. Area. Like, kind of deeper And so, so the movie takes place, like, I, I, I thought it was supposed to be a, like, ambiguous Southern, like, Southwestern mm-hmm. state. Um, but then it says Arizona at some point. So that was going to be my ne- yeah. next guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the, like it was filmed in Arizona and I think that it takes place in Arizona, but I don't know if they exclusively say that or if it's supposed to be like, it could be Arizona, it could be Nevada, it could be Texas. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah. yeah, ambiguous to like kind of encompass, encompass that, uh, state incarceration. Uh, right and the mentality of like criminals being treated like terribly and all crimes being equal too right like Mm -hmm. you deserve to be locked up for 125 years for you know yeah uh, Yeah. (laughs) stealing from an atm yes yeah yeah breaking yeah and then they end up getting a job in the sunbelt uh where they are as performers in a bank to like, and this is like the, all the promotional posters you see, like with them in the bird costumes. <laughs> this is where it comes from. And they're performing a little song and dance and everybody's watching. And there's a little girl that, um, is watching the whole time as well. And she comes in later in the plot. Um, and then they go back, they hang up their costumes and they go back to a bar. Yeah. And <laughs> wait, no, sorry. Hold on a second to the, uh, did we talk about them meeting the robbers in the bar? I think that is, is that before they do their job? No. So they, <laughs> so they have that whole meeting first where they like, where they punch the bag mm-hmm. off the wall. Yeah. Yeah. So that happens first and then they do the promo and then they leave to go on their lunch break and that's when they're in the park. Yes. That's the right. Bench. Yes. And they're eating yeah. uh Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> yeah. So, so we've met these, like these two guys who come in mm-hmm. to the story around this time when uh, they're in in a bar getting a feel for this local life before Skip reveals that he has found a job yes. after their car breaks down. He goes and sees these, you know, rugged, like tough, tattooed kind of cowboy looking dudes by one of those like game punching bags. That's uh, speed bag. Speed bag. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know sports. Um, <laughs> and so, so then he, you know, is like, I, you know, they're an inspiration to my writing. There's mm-hmm. a great story there. I'm going to go up and like get to know them. And, and then he goes up and tries to be friendly. And that's when he says the, hi, you fellas. Hello. Yeah. Hi, how are you? 
And uh, they don't take it well, and they really want to beat him up because mm -hmm. they're like, you're an outsider, and we hate you. But and then we're he ends aggressively up, like, masculine. Yeah. Then, <laughs> yeah. He ends up, like, actually, like, kind of doing really well at the speed bag, too. He's like, here, let me have a try. And, like... <laughs> <laughs> but that's whenever they stop it, and then he punches it across the bar. Yes. And, like, right off the, where it was chained up. And then Harry comes in, and he's like... Because he's been watching this, afraid mm -hmm. that his friend's going to get, like beat up by these two guys and then he comes in and goes oh thank you so much goodbye yeah. <laughs> and yes then they have the woodpecker yes dance thing which i i wish i could memorize the song that they were saying <laughs> i was thinking about trying to yeah. <laughs> but um uh harry's line when when he when he goes uh um i'm just a man pretending to be a a, a woodpecker but that's a real woodpecker and it's that kind of real hammy like mm -hmm. cheese ball performance i i loved it mm -hmm. that was really fun it and was yeah then we go to the park for lunch and i just want to say about that park scene i wrote down honestly i would wear anyone's outfit like th this whole sequence except for the suits in the background mm -hmm. i would wear anyone else's outfit <laughs> like the men the women in the scene it's just iconic like Late seventies, yeah. early eighties fashion. I I'm living for like it. kind of that transition period from the seventies to the eighties where yeah, they're finding their like identity. Short shorts, but also long skirts and jackets and bell and bottoms like, and yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess so because this is it. Yeah. And anyways, I don't know when bell bottoms were a thing. Me either. I'm not a fashion <laughs> expert. <laughs> but yeah, that was my, my one of my fashion moments. Plus, I'm a big fan of all the denim that comes later. Oh my god, so much. <laughs> The town might as well be made out of it. I, I love denim so much. It's uh, it's great. And um, after the park scene, so <laughs> the park scene where everyone looks fabulous. Yes, yeah. um, the robbers end up stealing uh, their costumes. Start doing like their little song and dance, and like to a T. And then they pull out a gun in like the middle of it, and then they rob the bank you know, hit the teller. Um, the little girl sees all this too. So she knows like, kind of like that they weren't the ones, uh, robbing it. Mm -hmm. And they bust out of there. They actually steal Harry and Skip's van as well. Yes. Take off. You see them. They're framing them. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Take off in it. Um, they come, they come, my favorite scene is they come around. They're like, ah, Jean Wilder and Harry. And, God bless Skip. He's like, is there anything we can do to help? And like, no idea. And then like, Harry's like, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Harry's like, no, I don't want to go near them. Yeah. Like, like right? we should get away from yeah. them. Yeah. He has a bad feeling. <laughs> Again, he has a totally healthy fear of authority. Yeah. And then Skip's just like, hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> and they um, get, um, their court appointed lawyer, um, Len, who, uh, is throughout this, uh, the movie. Uh, trying to get them out because mm -hmm. they get sentenced to a 125 year jail sentence, right? They're like, Oh, like oh, it won't be so bad, but apparently they look really harsh on bank robbers in the state. Right. I, I think he, he says in this part of, of the country, you may as well have set fire to the Pentagon. Yes. Right. They were, cause they're so strict on it and give he harsh, heavy sentence is for it. So they get put into a maximum security prison too. Mm -hmm. And, um, my favorite thing, but before that they're put in the holding cell as well, I think before they're, 
um, their sentencing. And they're like, okay, we need to look bad. Look bad. Yes. yes. And then That's right. They the end bad up, look. Yeah, they I'm end bad. up just looking like the birds that they were imitating, like with the neck going forward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're, they're trying to do like, like the whole swagger thing. And then when they're in the cell, like Skip like takes it to the next level and starts doing like really bad, like, like you know, martial art yeah. kind of kung fu moves. And it's like, oh dear. And of course, they're not intimidating to anyone. No, and I was just like, oh, stop it, stop it throughout the whole scene. <laughs> oh, that, that was a great scene, though. Um, especially when they start to meet, like, the other the other prisoners with that, like, big guy with the cigarette and mm-hmm. the guy who accidentally punches him in the face. And, yeah, it, it's all a great time. <laughs> Wait, what was there is one? Is that when they meet... Oh no! Sorry, I'm thinking of something that happens after. But I think after this, they're they're like walked into the secure the what prison. What baby is that, sir? That's what I was trying to think <laughs> of. When he's like, "You can kiss the baby." <laughs> <laughs> what baby is that, sir? <laughs> and then we never find out. Yeah, I was like, I was, I was thinking, I was like, wait, what does that mean? I like, I was like, is I I'm sure it's supposed to be some kind of comment on like you know power dynamics and sexual mm-hmm. abuse and activities in prison but like i think it's you know just i don't i didn't understand me it. either i didn't i didn't like actually know if that was it but that's what like, it feels like yeah it could be maybe it's like prison slang from the 80s like oh you can get up right now let's, let's yeah. take a moment oh it's on urban dictionary like with reference to this movie mm. an old term Meaning to go to prison for to go to prison for a very long time. Oh, okay, because oh, you, because he says like, "What are you in here for?" And then he's like, "Bank robbery." And then he's like, "You can kiss the baby." Mm. So it's not sexual at all. We can cut that part yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but yeah, okay. I, I didn't know that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, but yeah, that. Oh but, man, I was just also like. Harry's performance in this scene is good too when he does like the when he's acting very afraid mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and he's like you're a short son of a bitch aren't you and then he's like I'm short my mom was short my brother was so short that he, we could even see him yeah <laughs> just Richard Pryor I've never watched any of his movies uh, I've only seen Gene Wilder and like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory right so mm-hmm. to see their wait act- you've only seen Gene Wilder and yeah. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or Willy Wonka no it's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory yeah, yeah sorry as yeah. Ivanka. Interesting. So that's why I want to watch more movies now. Because oh my gosh, we should. His physical comedy in this is really good. Well, I've seen a little bit of Young Frankenstein. Yeah, see, I that was the first Gene Wilder movie I saw. And then I watched um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I, I think that was the order. But either way, just um, that whole, like, you know, panicked, mm-hmm. like, um, punny, ridiculous you know, oblivious, aloof kind of thing that he does, that act. Uh, he's so good at it. Mm-hmm. And it's so good. And his overacting on, on like, the lines that he chooses to overact on, it works so well. And just it, mad yeah. respect <laughs> as a performer, that's, like, he's really great. Yeah. Getting back to the security prison, whenever they're uh, escorted in, they try and act crazy. So, again, like, that big physical comedy of just... Where he jumps on the guard's back. Yeah. Let's go! <laughs> like giving guard slaps and just trying to like act insane. <laughs> he hits him and then he goes, okay, no hitting! Yeah. 
honestly, he was doing that, and I was like, this is what it was like fighting with my brother, like, when we were children, you know? It is. It's so childlike. It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and oh, the, they make friends with uh, uh, Jesus and uh, Rory, the mm-hmm. two other uh, prisoners. After they meet their uh, newfound friends. Oh, also, sorry. Yeah. One of their friends is a great. One of their new friends is a great line. It's um, Jesus Ramirez, mm-hmm. who says um, that that they got in for for robbing seven banks. And then he says, you know, I I was appealing again, like he was there for, for an appeal hearing. He said, I, I, I'm appealing again, and I keep telling them it's not true. He's like, I was blackout drunk, but I could have sworn I only robbed one bank. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And for a second, I thought that Harry, and sorry, Rory and Jesus were going to be the ones that actually framed them. And, like, they got picked up. And, like, oh, we figured that out. Oh, at the same time or whatever? Yeah. yeah. But, like, on a different charge or whatever. Well, no, because... Like, we know that, like, we already know what the guys look like, right? From mm-hmm. the, because whenever they grab that costume, you see the tattoo again. I actually, yeah, but I didn't make, actually make the connection until oh. later it was revealed <laughs> okay. in the story. I think I must have, like, looked away or didn't yeah, see it Yeah, it's yet. super quick. It's super quick for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, but then we find out that they've actually been there for years and that it's just that no one gets out. Yeah, be- because, uh... Uh, Skip was like, oh, like, we're going to get it appealed. Like, we're going to get off. Like, he's like, listen, let me tell you about the appeals. Says mm-hmm. that line. And then they realize they're... They're stu- here for a long yeah, time. Yeah, they're going to be here for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then they uh, they actually take them through, like, give them, like, a brief rundown of what's going on in the prison. Uh, both uh, Rory and Jesus. And they're telling, like, what guards to look out for. Mm-hmm. Um, like, this, uh, the big guy that murdered mm-hmm. everybody. Grossberger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grossberger. <laughs> and um, there was, he says to watch out for Jack Graham, who's played by Jonathan Banks, who was in our, it was an airplane as the radio uh, control tower. It was just like a really brief oh, moment. Oh, okay. And, and he plays Mike in Breaking Bad. Huh. Yeah. Sweet. Like, so it's like a well, little bit. And Deputy Warden. Mm-hmm. Craig T. Nelson. Craig T. Yeah. Nelson. A little baby Craig T. Nelson. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, he's so young here. Yeah, it's like... Um, yeah, in, in his 20s or 30s, I think. I think in his 30s, he was. Yeah, I almost didn't place him either. Like Me either. I was like looking at his face and I was like, God, you know who who, who that kind of looks like? And then I realized that it was him because his voice sounded mm-hmm. similar. Um, yeah, that yeah. was like such a, such a cool. And he's playing such a hard game. ass in this movie too. Yeah. Yeah. He's playing like the, the villain, like mm-hmm. the, one of the worst ones, <laughs> one of the villains. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we meet baby Craig T. Nelson. He's the deputy and he hates them all. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and then they were talking about, uh, I think this is, um, the scene where they're also like when they introduce Grossberger. Uh, the big, big guy, they're talking about, it's in the cafeteria, right? Mm-hmm. And he gets up and like, everybody like goes out of his way because he wants salt, goes back to <laughs> yeah. his, uh, goes back to his table and then Skip is like, well, he just needs to be talked to. Yeah. And then goes up and then No just... one's ever sat down and had an honest conversation with that man. <laughs> Which is basically like, um, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Mm. <laughs> like there's a joke in the Simpsons as well, where like Homer's in a sane asylum a sidebar, but, um, (laughs) 
And they say like, we oh, this sidebar song yeah. to to tell people when we're going off into a sidebar. Yeah. Okay, back to not sidebar. It's like a little chime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, they're like, oh, this is Skip. Uh, sorry, this is like Chief. He hasn't talked in like forever. And then Homer goes, hey. And then he's like, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's right because he he doesn't talk, and then later. Mm-hmm. There's that whole scene where he actually has a beautiful voice. A beautiful singing <laughs> voice, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I'm sorry, just, I, I had a thought after you said that there should be a chime to introduce a sidebar. Or you could do, like, you know how um, cars now, like, the newer cars with computers and stuff, mm-hmm. will have, like, that beeping noise when you start to veer out of your beep, lane. Beep, beep, beep. Yeah. <laughs> we should have that. And it's like, oh, and back on <laughs> Oh, well, ding once we're back on track. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Grossberger is that, uh, like, scares him off and mm-hmm. whatever else. And and then, and, and I think that's when, or is it that, or shortly before that, when Harry finally accepts that he's in prison, like you were saying. Oh, and yeah. That, oh, my God, like, moment. And then Harry's like, duh. Yeah, I think that's on the way in, yeah. And we were like, he's like, we're in prison. Just the delivery of it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, like, time flies. They're in there for three months, and Skip and um, Harry are brought in to see the warden and the deputy, uh, Warden Wilson, which is Craig T. Nelson, and he's uh, the head guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want to run, like, a test on Harry and Skip, and it's like, but you got to ride the bull. So it's like... This actual, like, the warden has, a, like, a mechanical bull in his office. <laughs> Dream office. Right. <laughs> because, like, you, before that, we see, like, a guy fly out of the room. Yeah, that's and, right. Because <laughs> he was on the mechanical bull. So then Skip goes on it, like, all gung-ho. He's like, this is great. Like, and he's sitting the wrong way on it. And it's like, no, turn around. And then he turns around, but he's still sitting the wrong way. Yeah. It's like, no, we gotta go over or onto the saddle. Oh, okay. And this scene had me howling, laughing. Yes, it's because, so good. Because they start up the mechanical bullet one, and then he's like, oh, this is fun. And he's like having a lot of fun. And then they put it up to two, and they're like, okay, he's gonna fly off now. And then they're like, goes a little bit faster, and he's still having like the time of his life. And they end up like increasing it around like, the speed five where it's just like the camera sped up and they just keep like watching him and it's like him going over and over and over and yeah. over again that friggin had me howling me too me too it's it's great and then like the great thing is they're they're all shocked that he's gotten to this level of the mechanical bull they realize that he's a natural for this rodeo stuff mm-hmm. but then he goes out and when he's speaking with um with his friends in the yard again he goes he goes, hey, Zeus, have you ever tried that thing in the warden's office? It's yeah. a great time. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's supposed to be like a form of torture. And he's right. Like, loves it. <laughs> but then they find out that uh, he kind of also did that test because he wants him in a rodeo. Mm-hmm. Later on where the warden makes a bet and like, you know, against another warden at another prison. Yeah, it's have... like annual rodeo between mm-hmm. these two or, you know, these a two few different prisons. prisons. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, it's unfair because, you know, prisoners don't get any prize money out of it. Right. It's supposed to be prize money for them, but they don't see it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even go back into, like, the prison for, like, Mm -hmm. uh, books or anything like that, right? Yeah. So, So again, corruption, like, Mm -hmm. you know, greed, all that great stuff that seems so commonplace amongst humans. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so that's, like, the next scene is where they inform the, the truth behind all that rodeo. 
After this is my my probably my favorite bit of the whole movie, like uh, like the gag where they're trying to to break him right. Where, right. So yes. So, he, so they 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 make him uh, like like the first day or whatever. I I still can't tell if it's him playing it because he is playing like he's pretending mm-hmm. to be insane and like having mental breakdowns on the on the regular yeah. in this movie. Um, so the first day, uh, the deputy warden wakes them up at 4 a.m. and he's like, okay, you're, you're off to, to go, like, work in the field and stuff. And then Skip comes in and he's like, oh, I've never felt this great in my life. He's all doing the, like, breathing and, like, the, mm-hmm. woo, And then the, the warden leaves and he's mad because his plan didn't work to, like, break him physically mm-hmm. and emotionally kind of thing. And then he immediately goes to, like, oh my god, they're trying to kill me. Yeah. They're dying. <laughs> <laughs> was it, that's after like all the physical like like they had to break rocks too right and, yeah, yeah so so like that's the like that's that day mm-hmm. um and, and you know with uh i like harry ha- has one of my other favorite moments in, in that that whole sequence where they're working on that first one where he takes the the huge bag of stuff mm-hmm. on his shoulders and then just like slowly drops <laughs> down to the ground <laughs> Which is a great physical comedy. I, I loved it. Oh, so much great physical comedy. But they're like trying to break them because uh, they want to hold out, right? Because they have a plan to yes. kind of uh, escape from the prison yeah. where they came up with it with uh, Rory and Jesus. They're like, hey, you need to hold out because then it gives us like time to plan and kind of everything and maybe make a better deal. Like that's what they're talking about. Well, with their they, yeah. Player. So they want him to hold out so that he can ask to have them on his to, to have them in as, as his team. Yes. Because that's the, the only way the plan will work. Yes, yeah. that's right. And that he was also informed by his lawyer and the new romantic interest. Meredith. Yeah, Meredith, that uh, Gene Wilder is absolutely, like, captivated with. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, there was a fit, in, like, my favorite bit in the moment is when you're talking about when they woke him up at 4 a.m., and they're really disoriented and then they're like trying to put on their pants and they end up putting on like the same pair of pants with their leg in it together. Yeah. <laughs> like, Why is it working? <laughs> and then Harry, like, like, cause he's half asleep. He's uh-huh. like, I can't feel my leg. No. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, sorry, that's, okay, so that's the second morning. That is. Where they, they try to like work them to death again mm-hmm. kind of thing. But uh, the the night before, when they come back after the first grilling day, and Harry ha- has this whole moment where he's like, because he's on the top bunk, mm-hmm. and he can't climb on me. Oh, yeah. And he's just going, pillow, <laughs> pillow. <laughs> I think it was like, I felt him in that moment. I've been yeah. that sore where like. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're like, I can't move. Totally like. relatable. Like 100%. I was like, yes, that's perfect. But the way he kicks up his leg, like you can't lift it. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he does the, the desperation like so well. I loved it. <laughs> oh. um, and yeah, and then, okay, so my favorite part of the sequence though, like we still haven't gotten there. Is is the the next two kind of scenes where you have Skip being brought to solitary confinement where he's chained up, like mm-hmm. hanging from his arms by the, by the ceiling, and then he has some leg like ankle mm-hmm. shackles on as well. And uh, you know he comes back, like you know the deputy warden leaves him there for a couple of days, and then he comes back, and then Skip gets taken down, and he goes, 
oh my gosh, my 11 year old back problem is gone. Like, thank you so much. <laughs> Which the deputy warden hates. Yeah. And then, um, it's like Wilson in the... is his name. I keep calling him his whole name. His whole <laughs> yeah. But then they also put him in like the doghouse. <laughs> The box, like, for, like, three days it's supposed to be, right? (laughs) He said, like, five days or whatever. And then, yeah, then Wilson opens the door and Skip goes, Just one more day, please. I was just starting to get into myself. (laughs) Which is, again, this whole thing where he's treating it like it's a vacation. Like, he has, like... To like the privilege, the naivety, the optimism to just mm-hmm. misread this entirely, and he's like benefiting and he's, from the torture. He's flipping it, yeah, he's yeah, like, totally. Yeah, <laughs> you always gotta flip it. <laughs> I was just starting to get into myself, <laughs> <laughs> which is like a box of, like in the baking Arizona sun. <laughs> I know, yeah. like it definitely is. It's definitely not realistic for sure, but. <laughs> but <laughs> uh. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And then after this, this is whenever they said, like, okay, this isn't working, but they're like, we're going to put you in, uh, you have a new cellmate. And it turns out it's Grossberger, like the big, big guy. And my, like, Harry's delivery of, like, well, Richard Pryor, like, whenever he's, like, against Grossberger in the bed and he can't even talk, he's just, like, so scared. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he does, like, the blubbering, like, baby almost. For, like, a minute and... Like straight. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Skip's like, 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 also totally in fear, turning towards the corner, going, "I'm just gonna stand over here for a while." Oh yeah, just facing out of the cell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like two feet away. <laughs> and then, uh, and then the but like when they come back the next morning and they're all playing cards. Oh yeah, because they really befriend him and they're like, <laughs> "Look, he's cheating!" And then it's like. And it's like, well, look at this. And he pulls out another <laughs> card from uh, Harry's and like, yeah. another one. And they're just having like, the best old grand time. Yeah. And when, when the, the guards walk up, Skip goes, we, we tried charades, but he didn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This is turning into what Airplane was. We're just repeating all the lines. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. It's, it's great, though, because so it's it's... I found it like very like heartening and like just Gene Wilder's naivete about it, like mm-hmm. in, to like turn the best out of a bad situation. Yeah. Really? Um, whereas Harry's more realistic about the situation. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, it's good. And like, you can definitely see why, uh, Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder probably did movies again together later they because did four, of yeah. Yeah, their chemistry. Like, oh together. yeah, yeah! You can tell that there's such a sense of like friendship and camaraderie there. I think that's what I really found comes too. across. Yeah, and and he was like so. Richard Pryor was actually supposed to be supposed to be co-starring with um, Gene Wilder in Blazing Saddles because Pryor co-wrote it. Really? Mm-hmm. And that was '76, right? Uh, '76 or '74? Yeah, because this is something like that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. this is 1980, but wasn't it? Let me see if I get this right. Sidney Poitier, Poitier played uh, Blazing Saddles? Yeah. Okay. It, it was... Uh, I'm thinking of the wrong person. It was someone else. What's his name? Let me just see. Because I know... It's like Colton. He died early, I think, as well. R- Richard Pryor or the guy who started Blazing Saddles? I think both, didn't they? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, like Richard Pryor died when he was um, in his 60s. Okay. So yeah. a little bit of a full life. So then, yeah, who's... Uh, Cleveland Little. Just looked it up. Cleveland. That's what it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
what did I say? Was it? I think I feel like I was close, but yeah, that, that that's who it was. And so the reason that that happened is unfortunately during this time, Richard Pryor was dealing with like um, pretty serious cocaine addiction. Mm-hmm. So uh, the studio that was producing Blazing Saddles wouldn't insure him. Oh, okay. so he couldn't star in it. And then he was also supposed to star in something else with Gene Wilder and, and the same kind of thing happened where unfortunately because of he was dealing with that needing to get some help and stuff yeah um oh yeah so he was also supposed to star in Mel Brooks's History of the World mm-hmm. movies um ex- or, or movie except again it was like there was this incident that happened while this movie was filming actually that was like very serious where he um it, it was either an he caught on fire because of an explosion while he was like freebasing um or he like was very very high and like lit himself on fire this was richard Pryor Mm -hmm. in this movie no like during filming this is his personal life okay so like like again like during during the filming of this movie like he was struggling with like a hardcore cocaine addiction oh mostly like uh we're john belushi like in blues brothers i think which is around the yeah same i time. mean it's 1980 yeah. there's a lot of people using a lot of cocaine <laughs> um unfortunately especially performers right mm-hmm. like that was like showbiz culture though there was a lot of freaking drugs going around and going on and uh especially with like productivity like to go 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 like keep performers well, yeah. on well, well exactly and and then I, I think that especially when you're in that mindset and you're looking for reasons for it you convince yourself like well i'm not going to be as funny if i don't do a bump before i go on stage right or i'm i can't deliver it the same way unless i'm two beers in or uh, you know what i mean like like that kind of thing like no junk no funk right like, right exactly yeah. so um like you know the arts have always been a very uh have fostered a lot of addiction and a lot of like for it. drug use yeah. yes yeah so um but yeah so so he was kind of like that obviously impacted his career in those ways and like that incident was obviously like i could just imagine the freaking recovery because mm-hmm. he had burns like all over his body and so he had to like basically not go film this movie because he was recovering from that and wow yeah so it's so a very intense and there's also like stories about like that gene wilder wrote in his autobiographies about like tensions on set and like kind of a little bit of erratic behavior but then upon reflection he's like it's because he was on so many drugs right yeah so uh, a lot of people a little bit yeah Yeah. (laughs) a lot of people's behavior can be explained by addictions right it's like Mm -hmm. it's not them it's it is a disease like that that's been taking over them so like and like it's always you always see it upon reflection right right? exactly and and learning about it absolutely so you know, if anybody's struggling with addictions or you know somebody that is, you can reach out and you can help them. So, yeah, it's just our little PSA for the day. Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, um, all about awareness and compassion. Exactly. So no attacking. No, no attacking here. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, I have friends who mm-hmm. have also struggled with cocaine addiction and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's an it's an unfortunate reality. And it's really, really, it's really tough to you know, be that person and also be around Mm -hmm. those people sometimes, um, when they're out of control. It's yeah. But yeah, so that was, that's kind of like the behind the scenes, a a little bit of it. Like, unfortunately he had, um, some tragic elements to his life, Mm -hmm. like in his early life as well, like really rough childhood and everything. So it's amazing that 
I had no idea. Well, I mean, I knew that he did drugs. <laughs> like that's kind of when you find out about Richard Pryor, that's one of the things that you find out about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just like what a prolific in stand-up comedy. You don't know about stand-up comedy without finding out about mm-hmm. him, right? He just like was so influential on so many people. I want to watch his specials. Um, no. Yeah, I, I I've only ever seen clips, but he's he's obviously very funny. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> he, he was like you know album after album after album and movies like so many movies, even dramatic roles like in oh, really? late seventies and stuff. Yeah, good for him. So uh, obviously, huge staple in American show business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know it's unfortunate that he did die still young for sixty three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just looked up. Um, Cleveland, he died at 53, actually. Oh, so he was young as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, most likely health issues probably later in his life due to that and everything. Uh, talk about Richard Pryor, but looking back, it's like yeah, I want to delve more into his stuff. Mm-hmm. Just because of this movie, it's like you see like his acting chops and like his comedic delivery. You're like, holy shit, this guy was like on like that. Yes on innovative and like um the the interesting thing about both both of these performers is they don't like there's this kind of trap with some male comedians i find where it's that over aggressiveness and you Mm -hmm. get those kind of like trickle down effects of like toxic masculinity i don't know how else to put it um of just like you know aggressive toilet humor kind of stuff like that and these two performers like don't rely on that as much as others do. And like, it's so re- refreshing, yeah. especially when we're looking back on it 40 years later. I'm just like, thinking, it makes it so much more palatable. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just thinking about like the scenes where they're holding hands as friends, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, they're kind of, you know, I mean, they're played up as to not be tough guys, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it's just, it's very endearing that sensitivity and that, that kind of mm-hmm. treatment of not being, a, a douchey kind of for laughs guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's, that's definitely like Gene Wilder's performance definitely mm-hmm. relates back into that of just quick wit. Um, but also very childlike in, yes. in terms of having a night, like that naivete played up and, um, like, you know, he's, he's not a macho tough guy, but he's still like, you know, no, and, yeah. and he knows that he can't play that, like, in, mm-hmm. in an authentic way, so he just does it for the humor, right? Like, um, with that, with that scene, uh, when they first come to the prison, and they're in the classroom, I think, it's like one of the first kind of shots that they oh, have yes. there, and he starts talking about, um, he's like, you know, d- don't mess with me, I beat up a kid at summer camp one time, <laughs> <laughs> And he's trying not to tell when it's like, oh, that was when you were a child. <laughs> <laughs> but he also doesn't get that he's like still in prison yet, too. Yeah, and like, yeah, exactly. the guard keeps like shoving him down in the seat. <laughs> yeah. It's like, sit down. Yeah, oh. he wants to fight him. But okay. yeah, so that's uh, super interesting. <laughs> One thing that, that's really, that's like a good thing, because obviously our two stars, unfortunately, as you were saying, like Richard Pryor passed away. You know, he had multiple sclerosis when he was older. Gene Wilder was Alzheimer's related death. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, but like one thing that's super cool is that I think D- Sidney Poitier is like 93. Still alive. And really? I, I believe he's still alive. Yes. Let me just make sure. <laughs> but he's in his 90s and like appeared at the Oscars just a few years ago. He's on all the lists of like, you know, the like oldest living 
Best Actor Award recipient. recipient and, okay. Yeah. Is he, um, what else did he direct? So he um, was more known as an, like, he definitely had acted in more than, yeah, he's still alive. 93 years old, this man. Nice. He was born in 1927. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's awesome. And he started acting in the 50s or 60s. Late 50s, I want to say. Um, but then had like a, a very prolific career, became famous in, in, in films from between the 50s and the 70s. Okay. And then he took some time off and directed a few films and kind of did like some some directing, but he wasn't like as known for it as, as his acting roles. And he only directed a few movies, I think. Okay. But yeah, um, like he's Hollywood royalty. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Good. Straight up, uh, like everyone just, um, he was kind of this actor who was like, he, he's been, his films have been criticized for portraying, um, like race relations as like, like it was like movies about mm-hmm. race <laughs> made yeah. for white people. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it was like, like made by white people and for white people pretty much. Um, but he was like always playing like like a soft-spoken like gentleman kind of thing and so like his characters were almost like too good to be true like they were Mm. just unrealistic characters because they were like these perfect people i see so um and so whenever you have a movie and like that's the only black character or one of the only black characters that you have then like it's all about that discussion of representation comes in when like okay you know this isn't what racism and race relations is actually like Mm -hmm. so it was kind of like like pacifying that white guilt aspect through his film so he was criticized for that which is why it's so interesting i think that we have this movie now because he's behind the camera and richard pryor who was famous for doing kind of the opposite and like bringing controversial you know stuff about racism in america Mm -hmm. like to light through his comedy and through his satire so you have these kind of Two men who have had such an impact on um, black uh, black American representation men in pop culture, and it's just like the effects are so different, and like yeah, yeah, it's just so interesting. And it kind of seems like to meet in the middle here around this movie because you know he's not a perfect character, Harry, right? Mm-hmm. Like it is shining a light on the a little bit of a light on the American justice system towards mm-hmm. uh, criminals. Uh, yeah, absolutely, right? and uh, black criminals too. So. And yeah, I, I just think it's so cool that you have um, this trailblazer from the 50s and 60s who's then also setting up this opportunity for a trailblazer in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 really, it's really interesting. And it's a little bit of passing the torch. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's, that's super cool. And the, the, produ- like the writer, um, uh, Bruce Friedman, was also known for like kind of like a little bit more biting social stuff. The producer, um, Hannah Weinstein, she was another person who I want to talk about. Like this movie just seems to be made by these people who like, I just want to be friends with. Um, (laughs) But no, so she was like a journalist and then she was targeted or or was afraid of being targeted um, during the Red Scare and the McCarthyism of like the the 1940s and 50s, where people were getting where, where people were getting accused of being communists and like treasonous against the American American government with no proof, kind of thing. Can we so, can we do like a, a history on that? Like that would be amazing to do. 
Yeah, like, no, absolutely. The McCarthyism and everything like that. Oh, it's dark, but yeah. yeah, it's it's like it's super fascinating though. So, um, the a kind of short version of it is essentially arts communities and like bohemian artists are kind of usually left leaning, right? Like those kinds of communities. So Hollywood was very targeted by this like push against communism, and basically you had all these people getting accused of being communists who were writers or performers who Mm -hmm. maybe said something one time or whatever else and uh, totally baseless, but it led to the Hollywood blacklist, which was a huge long list of everyone who wasn't allowed to work because they were under suspicion of being too communist and like communists. (laughs) I'm always always going to take up the opportunity to um, bring up inherent vice. Uh, there's the scene in uh, there that they talk about the same thing about oh. being labeled as a communist going away, they're coming back and having a big career resurgence because, you know, he was um, like reeducated, like, or anything like that, like mm-hmm. Burke's Dodgers. And like, they show him later in the, like in the movies, like as a, it's like a staunch anti-communist movie, like of just him mm-hmm. saying like, this isn't your ideals is Russia. Like, Oh, like, do, in the you, movie. do you mean the movie within the movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, is Inherent Vice anti-communist? <laughs> <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson is actually just putting all that subtext in. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so she she was like part, like kind of part of this blacklist, fled to Paris in 1950, and then ends up opening up um, a production studio in England. And she uses it to basically employ blacklisted American writers. Mm. Um, and, you know, they do a couple of film se- or a couple of TV series and stuff there. Um, it ends up going bankrupt because of her husband's financial situation or something like that. So it was like an unfortunate thing. Um, and then she moves back and starts kind of producing stuff in the States. And so it just kind of like she's... Um, left-leaning, um, for social justice, like anti-poverty, anti-racism. So for her, so she was kind of like putting her work and her money both in England and when she came back to towards like things Mm -hmm. that were suitable to that mission. Like finger on the pulse of her like, uh, ideals. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, to be able to, to say yes to, to, to this movie that's satirizing, you know, correctional systems mm-hmm. and authority and like race relations to an extent and everything. Um, yeah, it's just super cool. And I just love, I love when that works out and when you have very intelligent and principled people making stuff that's actually funny mm-hmm. and that makes a point. It does. And that's why, like, I think this comedy is, is stuck around for so long. Because it, you know what, it, I, I I had never seen it before, but I expected it to be worse aged. Just saying that. You know, I did yeah. too. But um, I always knew like uh, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor comedies together were good. I wanted like hear no evil, see no evil. That mm-hmm. that movie, yeah, where one of them is blind and one of them is deaf, and they both witness a crime. Yeah, yeah, I want to watch that one. But um, yeah, but I think it's really just. Um, Maybe we should get back to the plot too. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wait. Where even were we in that? But it's no, all. That, that was a great sidebar, though. It's all cool. We're learning so much about lots of things. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. It so matter. we were with um, <laughs> Grossberg. Right. So after this, um, Harry and Skip are visited by their their lawyer again. 
And mm-hmm. this is whenever he falls like infatuated with uh, their lawyers. Uh, yeah. Well, this is when she says yes to him. Yes. Because he hits That's on right. her the first time. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, oh, maybe kind of thing. Yeah. And then like kind of like, oh, I'm playwright and everything. And what is in, in this one where he asks her to. Opening night. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. And um, because he takes a, a liking to her right away. But she's back at the prison. Sorry. Meanwhile, back at the prison, uh, the warden is like really angry at um, the head guard, Craig T. Nelson Wilson, mm-hmm. uh, for not like breaking Harry and Skip yet, like down. Like they tried everything, and he's like, "Come on, like we need to friggin' like mm-hmm. like break these guys down in order for the rodeo." And then they figure out how to do that is to take Harry away from Skip, right? His kind of like his cohort, his best reliance, and somebody mm-hmm. to actually lean on. And they take him to the prison, like sort of the hospital saying uh, he needs his, like for appendicitis. He's like, but <laughs> yeah. I already had my appendix taken out and somehow it grew back apparently. So they like take him out of the way there way, that way. And he starts telling them, it's like bunkmate starts telling him like about, all about the horrors of everything. And they're like, yeah, I went in for a hernia and they end up just uh, taking my balls off. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is horrifying. I, I, I can't sleep. I don't write my woman no more. And he just, Richard Pryor's like horror, like five face in this. Yes. Yeah. Golden, like where he's just like, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. That's the guy who did me. Yeah. <laughs> but after like, so whenever they do take Harry away from Skip, he finally breaks down and says, okay, I'm going to make a deal with you. And in exchange for being in the rodeo, I want my own crew, which is going back again. So it's Grossberger, um, Rory, and Jesus, along mm-hmm. with Harry, and like a, a cell all together, you know, so that they can plan and do everything, which is a ruse to start planning the breakout. Right. They agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry. And then the warden agrees that, but they assign guards to watch them at all times, right? So. Yeah, sure. So, um, well, like, while, while they're in the, the, the cell, um, and, and this is kind of like their training montage too. So you have, um, Blade is teaching Harry how to be a, a, a rodeo clown. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, they're like in the kind of ring and stuff. And then before, shortly before the rodeo is when they're in the cell and we get to hear Grossberger's s- s- singing voice because yes. they're like strumming on a guitar while, um, the other guys are like, you know, spooling yard and whatever mm-hmm. else. And, and that was a really cozy scene, actually. It was. I was yeah. like, I kind of want to hang out in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're all just like doing their own thing. playing, And then, but yeah, then Grossberger has like a beautiful singing voice for this yeah. big mass murderer. Yeah. Who like has, hasn't talked the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't after this, actually. Yeah, that's yeah, true, yeah. eh? He only has like, this is only line. Yeah. Only dialogue, really. Mm-hmm. And it's not even dialogue; it's a song. <laughs> <laughs> but then they they also uh, they start training for the rodeo, mm-hmm. and like they get some time out, they start practicing for the rodeo. But at this point, they also start gathering tools to like uh, plan their escape. So you see, like yeah. like uh, Grossberger, like going to the auto shop, looking around, like kind of like bending like a bar to make it a crowbar mm-hmm. or what, well, what turns out to be laid at their spurs, which is a really cool plan. Yeah. And, and that whole heist. With the wrenches. Yeah. yeah. The story escape. Yeah. And they say that, and th- remember the throwaway, li- well, it wasn't a throwaway line, but it was like, almost like if you didn't like catch it, but it comes back later as a plot point where 
uh, Meredith, who Gene Wilder's infatuated with, says like, oh, let's just get a job at the local strip joint and see what's going on. But it turns out she's a waitress. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, that's like around this time is when she finally finds, she sees the tattoo on yes. the guy's hand again. And then she knows that those are the bank robbers. Mm-hmm. And then she informs. Which breaks the case. Yes, because she informs the, their attorney mm-hmm. that uh, informed. And then this is like uh, when the rodeo begins and they all start like, so Gene Wilder, uh, Skip, he starts, he goes off, he does his... Uh, performance like on the on the horse mm-hmm. on the rodeo perfectly the warden's watching the other warden's watching and there so he, he does his round the warden's guy does his round but during the meantime they execute their escape plan mm-hmm. which they had hidden wrenches on their spurs to undo parts of the board Love it. to go out so then you see that harry and rory that escape first I right? believe so, yes. Yes. Because then Jesus and someone uh, else follows them. It's Jesus after that, and then it's Skip. Because Grossberger stayed. The, who else goes into the bathroom stall, though? It, well, it's, Jesus. it's Jesus and Rory, right? Rory and Jesus. Yeah, because, no, it's... Um, They're getting Rory. helped by the popcorn people, and it's well, just Harry that goes first. Yes, and it's Jesus's um, brother and sister. Yes. No, yes, sorry, brother right. and... Like wife. Really, like family, yeah. Yeah, yeah and uh, that's when, okay, my other fashion moment here. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so H- Harry's the first one who escapes to go, like, start the plan mm-hmm. with um, Jesus's family who has, like, little popcorn cart. Yeah, because he mm-hmm. crawls out of the vent, goes into the popcorn cart. She wheels it over to the caravan. Yes. Like, uh, the camper goes in changes. And then he changes into this outfit, which, like, he stepped out of that trailer, and I was like, you are looking fine. Because yeah. that cream-colored, like, satin cowboy shirt with, like, the bolo tie and everything, I was like, yes! <laughs> Complete with fake goatee. It was so cute. I, I love that outfit, and it was it was wonderful. Yeah. Um, so that's my other fashion moment. <laughs> but yeah, they start... Um, they start escaping, which is actually really cool. Like kind of like you get to see the plan and all the tools that they like kind of fashioned, like, um, forget what it was, but like he clicked a button and then like a saw popped out of like a, yeah, of a broom, a broom, a, a broom head. Uh, yes. A broom head. Yeah. That's right. So they, they managed to like hide prison tools and that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They've clearly like done the whole thinking it out thing. Like they know exactly where everyone's supposed to be, what they're going to do. It's a tightly executed plan. Mm-hmm. And like it starts going off a hitch, but there's that suspense behind it, right? Because mm-hmm. Skip still has to perform to get, give them time to go out. Yeah. And they manage to. Um, and then Skip, like during this whole thing, they all go out except for Skip because he's still in performing in the rodeo. Mm-hmm. Turns out there's a tie between him and the other person. Geronimo. Geronimo. Right. And he, this is one of my favorite lines mm-hmm. because it's a tie. They have to compete in a bull. It's a, a hard money event. Hard money event, right. So they have to grab the money from the bull's head mm-hmm. uh, while they're on the ground. And without anybody, well, they have to try and not get hit by the bull. But before this, my favorite line, it's like, well, I, he- I heard you were a kiss ass. He's like, it's like, oh, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying what I heard. Or, Sorry, no. It's, it's like, so I heard you're a prick. He's like, oh, no, I, I, I heard your warden was a nice guy. A nice guy. And, and, the, and then Geronimo says, no, he's a prick. Right. Yeah. And then it's like, well, I heard you were a guess ass. And <laughs> it's like, what? 
He's like, no, sorry, I'm just saying when I've heard, I'm a kiss ass too. <laughs> and then it's like, well, what is it? A couple of kiss asses and pricks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's the line? I know yeah, I, I want to look it up. Yeah, oh, but. yeah. So, um, the company that Hannah Weinstein founded when she came back to the U.S. was mm-hmm. called the Third World Cinema Corporation, and that's with Ozzy Davis. So, so she founded it with Ozzy Davis, Davis, James Earl Jones, and Rita Moreno. Really? I yeah. Don't, I don't know uh, Rita Moreno. Oh, and, well. and and so well, well she's she's from like West Side. She was a West Side Story. She mm-hmm. played um, Anita, I believe. And uh, yeah, so so she's like a Puerto Rican actress. Okay. And then um, yeah, so then you have these actors and and performers of color who are also like co-founding this with Hannah Weinstein. And so the whole point of it was to produce films with members of of like minority communities. Right. So, so that was the mission. So it's like absolutely fabulous. Mm-hmm. I just love it. You ever see the movie with Ozzy Davis in it where he thinks he's JFK? No. <laughs> what? It's called Bubba Hotep, where Bruce Campbell plays an Elvis impersonator. Oh, I've seen Bubba Hotep. Yeah, yeah that's Ozzy Davis. Oh, because he's in the home with him. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, Bubba Hotep is based on a great short story. It's based on a short story? It's based on a short story that's really good, yes. I need to. And the movie's good yeah. too. I, I enjoyed the movie, even though it's like very strange. It is. But <laughs> it's like you don't know if like he's actually Elvis or not. Yeah. The <laughs> Seriously, if you've never watched Bubba Hotep, it's a wild ride. It is. <laughs> a mummy versus Elvis and a guy who thinks he's JFK. <laughs> the best way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A mummy that thinks he's Elvis. Um, um, yeah. So getting back to that quote, <laughs> I can't find it. But anyways, <laughs> it, it was really good. Um, but they decide, he gives them the ideas like, well, why don't we just take the money, right? Like, and give it to the prisoners. Mm-hmm. So they end up uh, going through. Um, right. They team team up instead team up. of fighting against each other. Right. And yeah. he's like, I'll give it. To, and he gets it. Like, he's like, I'll give it to you. Don't worry. Like, he's like, we'll, we'll work together and you can win this. Mm-hmm. I got to say that that scene was really entertaining, but it's very obvious that Gene Wilder is not playing the, like this, the, the person switch, in the ring. Yeah. The switch between the stunt man and him. Yeah. It's like, he switched to like Gene Wilder to a very muscular stunt man with blonde hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that scene where the bull hits the, uh, wooden barrel and it just hits him right in the, like, I know he flies. It, yeah. He flies, but yeah. he also manages to stay on his feet. Doesn't he? Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's sororities are so dangerous, and I just don't get it personally. I don't. It must be the excitement of everybody there. And, I just, yeah, yeah, I'm like, like, so it, it's it's funny because when Gene Wilder, um, when when Skip, sorry, says like one of his excuses when the warden's like trying to to get him to agree, he's like. Well, my mother was a longtime lover of animals, and I don't agree anything with their exploitation. I was yeah. like, "Hey, that's why I don't go to rodeos." <laughs> <laughs> and then he went anyways, but you know, you know. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he uh, he gives money. Like after he wins the money, he throws it to the prisoners. Right. So he, like uh, Geronimo, finally managed to get it, and then he looks up at the prisoner, is kind of like. Uh, bites the twine off of it and throws the bag of money up into the prison stands and like it's all floating money so that creates a distraction for Gene Wilder to exit and they do the same plan where they're always like laying down then remove the board roll under Mm -hmm. 
but instead they what they do is that uh, to make it look like he's still there, they knock out the one guard, replace him, and right. then Gene Wilder goes because but, he comes to check up on them. Yeah. So they yeah. and then like he looks at Grossberger one last time, gives him a wink. He gives a wink back, and then they go, and they finally get out. They're in the camper, and because they're all disguised. Well, yes. yes. So yeah, we had the whole bathroom scene before. This. Yes, that's right. But so so we have Rory, sorry, mm-hmm. Rory in drag um, to escape, and Rory is the 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 character um, played by George Stanford Brown, and he's mm-hmm. been like playing the overtly gay character this this whole movie, mm-hmm. right? So so you know they have the running joke where he's always like. Um, kind of like hitting on uh Harry. Ha- Harry and like you know Harry's the object of his affections and he doesn't want to leave him and stuff mm. so that's kind of a running thing um but what's interesting I, when I was reading about this so we know we all know the golden raspberry awards mm-hmm. for awful films and stuff awful performances um so they nominated so they started like in 1980 as well I believe right in 1980 and they yeah. uh Gave George Sanford Brown a nomination for worst supporting actress for his performance in drag, <laughs> and I was like, "Could could you not like what?" <laughs> then uh, I was like, "Okay, so they picked act. They picked the rest of the people in the category uh, uh, are all like women and actresses playing, you know, roles that uh, are women. Um, but this is a guy who like who's playing." playing a man who's in drag for a purpose. So I was like, anyways. Right, it's not like um, where if you identify... Right, he, he's not playing a, a female role. He's playing a male role that's in drag as a female, as like a woman. To escape, right. To escape. And so, yeah, I, I was just like, is this... is This feels wrong. This yeah. feels weird. I feel like the Razzies are definitely putting some uh, 1980s maybe... Um, subtle homophobia out there. Transphobia too. <laughs> Transphobia, yeah. absolutely. And so, um, the other thing that I wanted to say about this was after I, because I was like, oh my god, I need, to, I need to figure out more about mm-hmm. this because I was kind of, uh, my emotions were activated. <laughs> I don't know. And then I was, you know, in the worst supporting actress category to see who George Stanford Brown was nominated with, and they nominated. Betsy Palmer for playing Pamela Voorhees in Friday the 13th. And I thought that you would, um, now my anger is shared with that. you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that you would be heard about that. So I wanted to tell you. I, I, I very much am. <laughs> so yeah, they, they came for your girl, man. Ugh, um, the one who started it all. <laughs> Poor Pam. Uh, <laughs> said no one ever. <laughs> you know, she's a terrible person. <laughs> So yeah, Pam Voorhees was also nominated, but neither of them won. Okay. So that's good. There's that. Yeah. Don't you be dissing some other poor actress <laughs> one. <laughs> they, they still go on with those, eh? Like the Golden Rose. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. They're they're like big news now, and it's like a a thing like to to get nominated for a Razzie. I think there's a certain sense of uh, accomplishment in Hollywood for it, because that means that. You know, even your worst movies are being watched by everyone. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we're at bathrooms and then money, and then we're at like the ending scene essentially where they escape. 
Exactly. So they, they all pile into uh, the camper after this because they all make their escape and everybody's distracted by the cash. And as they're going down the highway, their lawyer and Meredith uh, see them going by and then they cause an accident. They're like, no, that's, yeah. that's them. And they take off. Jesus says, okay, this is who was helping us. Um, it was my wife and my brother. And they helped us escape, and then they go off in their own direction mm-hmm. with Rory. And then mm-hmm. uh, Harry and Skip get in their own car, start driving away, and then they see Meredith and Len. Len, and they like it's kind of like, well, like you're free, like you're actually we caught the guys, mm-hmm. like because like she found out, and then they're like a big moment of happiness is like we're free. It's like a double win. It's like we're free and we're free. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like we're free legally and now free illegally, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I, I, I must say, I was expecting it to like end on such a worse note because once they said that they were free from the other charge, mm-hmm. in my mind, I was like, "But escaping from prison is a whole new charge." That's a, that's a question for a lawyer that I cannot answer. I was like, I was like, but you still escape from prison and that's still legal now. But is <laughs> it illegal if they were like incarcerated falsely for a crime? Right? I think it's still illegal because you're still, you know what I mean? Because they weren't acquitted when they escaped. That's such a gray area. So, so anyways, <laughs> yeah. I uh, like my, my, my first thought was they're baiting us mm-hmm. with a fake happy ending. That's what I thought. And too. then they're going to get caught and they're going to say, you tried to escape from prison. Now you're sentenced to 130 years or something, oh, you know? Yeah. And uh, anyways, that didn't happen. Thank goodness. But I was totally thinking that would. <laughs> I was, yeah, was, there's kind of that inkling in the back of my mind where it's like, okay, this isn't, this is too good to be true. But mm-hmm. you know, it, it is a standard, like, Happy ending where... Uh, yeah, they drive off into the sunset. Yeah, with uh, Meredith. After with that. Meredith, he goes, holy mackerel, how many times do I have to ask you? <laughs> right, because he's like, he's like, can I still see your opening play? Yeah. And he's like, how many, how many times do I have to ask you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then that's, that's the movie. Mm. And I really enjoyed this one. And finding out more about, you know, the people who made it was really interesting and fun and yeah it was it's like well i'm certainly enlightened now so is the audience (laughs) Uh, we hope if you've made it this far (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah like there was a a lot of history behind it and i really look forward to watching the more the other gene Pryor and uh, sorry gene Gene Pryor, gene wilder and richard Pryor movies yeah no me me too and there is four of them so we we could have done a whole series on just those ones, but mm-hmm. oh well. Maybe that's later. We'll, we'll, we'll revisit we'll, it. We'll sprinkle them here and there, maybe mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Along the themes. Yeah. Well, right. thanks for joining us, guys. So Thank next you. week we're going to talk about any which way but loose, which is a Clint Eastwood and a Chimp movie, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it's a sequel. Oh really? It's a sequel, so I don't know. Let's go in blind. Well, I I kind of yeah, want yeah. it, right? I, I was thinking I should watch the first one, but I kind of want to just see what it's like first. How much plot is there in a Clint Eastwood chimp movie that we need to prepare for for the sequel? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, uh, I don't feel like there's there's a whole lot. It's about a, a bare-knuckle fighter. So, you know... Wait, is Clint Eastwood the bare-knuckle fighter or is it chimp? Okay, so Clint Eastwood is the bare-knuckle fighter, but then the chimp is his sidekick. I don't want to watch it anymore. And also it's an orangutan. It's not oh, chimp. okay. Yeah. I was like, wait, no, chimp's not the right word. <laughs> That's right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Orangutan, I think. 
some sort of. Uh, it's an orangutan. Yeah. Pretty sure. Let me just make sure. Any which way you can. Any which way. Oh, okay. I keep thinking the first one's the second mm-hmm. one. Pet orangutan. It's an orangutan. So I thought it was a chimpanzee. Well, you were wrong. I am. <laughs> hey, we're correcting ourselves Just before like, the other episode. Exactly. <laughs> now, now we know. We can save that one. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for joining us. Thank and, you for joining uh, us, yes. We'll be back with uh, any which way you can. Yeah. Week. All right. Yeah. Perfect.